Today on the Pro-Life Podcast, Elon Musk has offered to buy Twitter, the board is fighting, and why this affects the pro-life community. And a baby given 10 days to live, 900 days ago, Tinsley Lewis, the girl who lived, I want to talk about her. Let's get started. Happy Tuesday. What a time to be alive. There is never a shortage of news. Ever. The news is always so weird. Elon Musk tried to buy Twitter. But first, I need to introduce Kim. Hi. How you doing? Good to have you here. Veronica and Emily's back this week. Yay. Thank you. I miss not, you guys. Not saving lives out of town. Doing it locally. Mm-hmm. Every day. <laughs> <Here> in-house. <laughs> so, Elon Musk... It, we're, we're discussing how this relates to the pro-life issue, why this affects pro-lifers. He offered to buy Twitter, and the board is doing some crazy things to get out of selling him Twitter. But let's talk about first why this matters and how Twitter has been controlling free speech, which is what brought this whole thing into being. Exactly. Elon Musk is known, and recently he said that free speech is when someone that you don't like says something that you don't like. And if both of those things are allowed to happen, then you have a culture of free speech. Uh, Twitter is not known for that necessarily. (laughs) I'm sure you're shocked by this. We're all Um, probably going to get banned later for this. Yes, maybe. So first of all, both of you who are watching, who the algorithm is delivering this to you. (laughs) Hopefully more than two people. (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) You know, there is big tech censorship. We're going to talk about it. But big tech censorship is a huge problem. So... Both of you who are watching, I'm just kidding. Um, make sure you like and subscribe to this video so that way, you know, maybe two more people can see it. Um, anyway, so Twitter is not known for, you know, free speech and allowing viewpoints that it doesn't like to exist on its platform. Proof of the contrary. They are known for banning people. Exactly. So some notable bans of pro-life accounts are the uh, Unplanned movie, the story of Abby Johnson um, converting from working at an abortion clinic into being a pro-life advocate. Twitter suspended their account the day the movie came, the day after the movie came out. Prime promotional time, Yes, yes. Yeah. So Twitter said that this was an accident and like a day-ish later, they reinstated the account and then scrubbed several thousand of their followers. So there was this huge, huge ordeal of this pro-life movie that uh, you wouldn't see this for um, any of the other mainstream content that Twitter likes. All of the trending hashtags always have like a liberal bent to it and uh, they'll push those up and then suppress other stories like... um, the uh, we talked about it last week with um, the Kermit Gosnell abortionist in um, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. and that story was made popular because pro-life advocates were getting on Twitter to talk about there is this guy in um, an abortion clinic that has killed born alive children, and um, you know the mainstream media was trying to silence this, cover it up. But the only reason that this story actually got out was because pro-life advocates took to Twitter and said something and put pressure on 
um, other people. But that was about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. The platform has drastically changed. Banning and shadow banning weren't really a thing, Mm -hmm. or at least not nearly as big. Kind of, but not like they are now. Now it's almost just an option you turn on. Yeah. Yeah. according According to some developers, there have been some some leaked videos of interviews and conversations with former developers that have said it's kind of like a checkbox they turn on it. It just disables everything for Good that user. Lord. It still looks normal to them, but to the public, nobody, wow. you know, nobody sees their stuff anymore. Right. So some notable pro-life accounts that have been banned, Unplanned Movie, Matt Walsh, and most recently, The Babylon Bee, our friends. They produce some amazing uh, pro-life content. Our own traffic at Texas Right to Life has been down. Do you want to guess how much it's been down since 2019? Oh, I don't know. From social media specifically. It's 90% oh my compared to gosh. 2019, our web traffic. And we're producing over 60% more content on these platforms, but they're just throttling it down so much. And it's because they don't like what we have to say. Which is why it's so important to subscribe to our text alerts, because yes. that's how we're reaching our people. That's where we're reaching yeah. you guys and all, all the people who actually want the good quality news. So what's that number so again? <laughs> text PRO-LIFE to 40237. Thank you, Veronica. It's probably yes. quietly in the background yes. on the sign over there. there. But the point is well, we've had to change our game because you know, for so long, we were told and we re- relied upon these big platforms whenever to get our message out. So that way, you know, women mm-hmm. in crisis pregnancies, there's this woman who has met- messaged us on Facebook and said that she was in an unexpected pregnancy years ago and saw our Facebook page. And that motivated her to choose life. Oh, so beautiful. it's because of our social media presence that we're able to impact people. And Twitter, Facebook, all of these big companies don't like that. So they've throttled that back and it has a real impact. I mean, it's definitely, I've noticed a difference just on my personal Facebook page. You know, when I, five, seven years ago, especially during legislative session, when I would be sharing things about Texas Rights Life, like Mm -hmm. that's how my audience grew. That's Mm -hmm. how people, so many people engaged. And I know that my audience on social media, you know, share these same values. But I've noticed in the last year and a half, two years that linking anything to our website, to the Texas Rights Life website, putting Texas Right to Life in, you know, tagging or anything, mm-hmm. you get two, three views. Yeah. Like, yep. That's not, that's, know, not, crazy. that's not real. Accurate. It affects the no. students we work with too. So we always have, you know, advise them to advertise really strongly on their social media platforms and for the the group's platform. So if they if they have a club like Celts for Life at University of St. Thomas, they have a platform for the actual group itself. And sometimes their posts just don't get any action at all. And uh, and you know that's not true because all the college students are on their phones 24-7. Right. So it's not like, oh, there are people just aren't Instagram. Yeah. For, for college students, your people are on Instagram. And post a picture Insta. of food and it sneaks through. Everything's sure. fine. Right. And maybe, maybe that's the new trick. We just pretend <laughs> it's all pictures of food. Yeah, <laughs> so, I've got some other examples here of like pro-life groups being censored on big tech. So Google banned ads about the abortion pill reversal mm-hmm. within the last year. That's whenever, um, if a girl uh, will use the chemical abortion, take the first pill, and then usually will go home and take the second pill to kill the baby and then expel the child's body. There are some instances where that could actually be reversed. And this is called the abortion pill reversal. So pro-life groups were running ads in case, you know, this is more common than you would think that the woman will take the first pill. She goes home. She thinks about it. She regrets it. And in that moment, 
there is a chance that something can be done. Where are you going to turn? The internet. Google it. And Google has banned those ads now. Well, that's that's going to be a big thing here in Texas, too, since we've seen, watch episode one, we've seen a rise in drug mules yes. carting abortion pills across the border, people going across the border to go get these abortion pills. But you and know now what's they're not, not going to find a solution You know what's not that. banned? Those accounts that are pushing the illegal abortion pills. There's right? all over Twitter. There's people oh, yeah. saying like, hey, if you're in Texas, you should go get these illegal abortion pills. We'll mail them to you or whatever. Those aren't banned. Yeah, they're literally admitting to doing a crime on the internet, and they're not in trouble for it. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, in 2020, Facebook blocked pro-life political ads in swing states that were against Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris. And uh, Pinterest, like you were talking about, Live Action, another mm -hmm. pro-life group, Pinterest blacklisted them. And they their reason for doing this was they said that Live Action was porn. <gasps> And, and then later they reversed their um, reasoning and they said, oh, it's actually because you're, spent, you're spreading anti-vaccine propaganda or something like that. But <laughs> they weren't even really talking about that either. No, exactly. But the only reason that came to light was because Project Veritas, Veritas had information on the inside that was leaked. And so this is only the stuff that we know about. There's so much going on behind the scenes and it causes this rift between like, okay, if I know that I can't put pro-life content on Twitter, I'm gonna have to go somewhere else. And basically you have these just two different factions of society that never get to cross, never get to hear the other's opinion. And we need to hear other people's opinions. That's why a culture of free speech is important. Yeah. 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 Well, and for, for those on our side, it makes you feel isolated. It makes you feel like, oh, maybe I right. am the only one in my community who, who thinks and feels this way. And you either stop posting things, you don't want to talk about it because you're afraid that it's it's about silencing that opinion. And, you know, it destroys your sense of community. It's demoralizing um, and it drives people to other networks. And then you're just in a network of just your people. Yeah. Which that's yeah, being in an echo chamber is not a good no, thing. No, it's not. Yeah. So and we talked about the ramifications of this, too, in episode six of the Pro-Life podcast that whenever we talk about life issues, even if it's with people who don't agree with us, the important thing that they know is that you are somebody who values life. And that came to fruit whenever uh, there was one of our students and a girl dropped her baby off. She didn't know what to do, dropped her baby off on oh, yeah. uh, Abby's front porch. Yeah. And that's because this family knew, like we talk about life, we talk about abortion. And so even if it's difficult, whenever somebody is in that tough situation, and they don't know where to go to. Even if you fought in the Facebook comments a thousand times, they know you're someone I can go to. Yeah. Speaking of pro-life communities, we have an event this weekend. So for more information about that, we're going to put that information here. Texas Right to Life is facing 14 lawsuits from Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. They're suing us because we helped pass the Texas Heartbeat Act. And they're trying to scare us pro-lifers into backing down. Please join us in the fight against Planned Parenthood and donate to protect the Texas Heartbeat Act. You can fight for the unborn and build a pro-life Texas that values every human life. Go to texasrighttolife.com slash lawsuit to make your contribution. Every cent will help and it's greatly appreciated. Texas led the charge for a historic year in the pro-life movement. Now is the time to celebrate. Join us April 23rd for the annual San Antonio Celebration of Life. 
You'll have a blast meeting other pro-life advocates, hearing success stories from college students on the front lines, and getting an exclusive inside look at the next steps of the pro-life movement. Go to texasrighttolife.com events to get your tickets. We can't wait to see you April 23rd in San Antonio. Welcome back. So, as promised, we also need to talk about Tinsley Lewis, the girl who lived. Amen. So here we are pushing 900 days later from a 10-day rule. Yeah, so what? So just a little background. So Texas has okay. a state law that um, if you right. are in a hospital setting, a patient, and you are receiving certain types of life-sustaining treatment, like a dialysis or um, mechanical ventilation support, ventilator support, or certain blood pressure medicines, then um, if the hospital or the physician decides they no longer want to continue treating you, providing you that um, treatment, and your surrogate or yourself or your advanced directive, your medical power of attorney, in this case, Tinsley's mom, um, disagrees, then the state law in Texas allows the hospital to go through this this 10-day process that at the end of 10 days allows them to remove that treatment, which without which the patient would pass away. You, it, it results in the death of the patient most of the time. Is this just for treatment that's not working or what? Great question. So actually the treatment is working and that's why they want to remove the life-sustaining treatment um, because it's the it, the treatment is doing what it's intended to do. I, I'm giving, um, I'm, I have an artificial uh, food and water and it's my body, it's, the, the treatment is uh, giving me water, hydration, feeding me, that's working. The ventilator support is helping me breathe. And so that needs to go away because the hospital, the physician does not think that the results of that treatment working, aka me continuing to live, is worth it. It's a value judgment. And so this is what happened in um, the in the Tinsley Lewis case back in November of 2019. Mm-hmm. She was nine months old and um, she'd spent her um, since birth at um, the hospital in Fort Worth. And at this point in time, um, her the hospital decided that they wanted to remove life-sustaining treatment from, from her and they could not convince her mother to agree to it. So her mom, you know, early 20s uh, at this at this point, um, oldest child, and she could they couldn't they couldn't get her get mom to agree to do that. Mom's like, no, I still want to fight for him. She's nine months old. Like, I, I yeah, obviously, and she, was, she yeah. was. I mean, she'd been born with a few issues, but she was surviving and she was doing okay. Yeah, and, and one of the things that was really giving her mom Trinity um, hope was there's a, a ventilator is not the most extreme measure. What The next extreme measure is called ECMO and it's this very, it's, it's a heart and bi- lung bypass. As a baby, she was placed on that for a little bit of time and the odds of coming off ECMO are very, very low to begin with, especially so when you're a premature infant. But Tinsley did. Nice. And so that was one thing of, of of Trinity, you know, saying like, hey, she even got off ECMO. Like, we're not giving up on her. So how does Texas Right to Life come into all this? How do we get involved in this? So great. we it's are... a great story. Oh, my <laughs> Done, done, done. Here we go. Well, part of it is, we just talked about, we have a lot of um, online activity about that Texas Right to Life intervenes in these cases um, to stop the 10-day countdown to help these patients to res- return decision-making power and authority back to where they rightfully belong with the family. And um, through that, we network with other organizations. And um, we we got a call to our office. Um, it was on Thursday. I'm 
pretty sure it was Thursday. Um, it's that usually week. on like a Thursday or Friday. Mm -hmm. It's always when we well, get those. Well, it was a nurse. She identified herself she, as, as, as a nurse at the hospital at which this little girl was at. And at this time, you know, we didn't know any, anything else. But she said, we just had an all staff meeting. I'm hesitant to give my name because I just started here. I'm kind of, she was still like in probationary mm -hmm. period or whatever. She said, but they just informed us that there was a... Um, a 10 day situation going on and that life support was going to be removed from this baby on Sunday. And I, I, I don't know what to do. A, the fact that she knew to call Texas right to life, um, was because she knew that, um, she had a family member like, gleaning from the conversation to, had went through some of our programs and she knew what the text, what the 10 day law was. And so she knew, um, to call us. And so I just coached her and I said, you know, without, there's not really anything that she could do unless she was confronted with the family and then she could kind of pass along and say, hey, call these people, call these people. Um, right. Because she couldn't like give me the information. That'd be a violation of HIPAA and all sorts of stuff. Um, but we have had cases where families call us and say, hey, you know, this, you know, hospital worker just slipped me a piece of paper with your name name yeah. on it number google carolyn jones or go to our website and search for carolyn jones yeah. we got yeah. awesome story. her saved from the 10-day rule too because a, a hospital worker uh leaned over to carolyn's husband and said hey you need to call texas right to life whenever they first started talking about withdrawing life-sustaining mm -hmm. treatment against his will mm -hmm. continue sorry <laughs> and, and that just goes to show you'll get you'll we'll hire doctors or nurses and say well, I've never known of anyone to do that. That could never be that. That could never happen. Well, it does. And yeah. state law allows for it to happen. So that's how you get people in the hospital system who don't agree with with it happening, and then they can be advocates and help help connect folks with with the the right help. So, anyways, we get this anonymous call, and so I I told her, you know, this this young girl here she is at the beginning of her nursing career. She was so shaken up, and um, I said, you know, honey, all you can do is a pray, and then. You can try to go find the family. It wasn't her patient. Tinsley wasn't her patient or anything. They right. just told the staff. Um, I'm shocked they told the staff. Yeah. Usually they kind of keep that under yeah. wraps. They were, I guess it was like a nurse's meeting, like a clinical staff nurse's meeting. Uh, They're like, hey, just let you know, again. this is what's happening. So How did she find the family? Well, we don't know that she did. So oh, okay. this, um, I, we don't know what happened between Thursday and Saturday. So for some reason, I'm not sure if it was like, I guess maybe it was around Thanksgiving, but for some reason we were out of the office or something on, on that on that Friday. And so we were just, our, our, our girls on the, in the front desk, we were just monitoring our emails and Facebooks and, and, um, voicemails to just in case this family called, you know, mm -hmm. we were hoping that they would, um, the message would get to them at some point. Um, didn't hear anything on Friday. And then Saturday morning, um, I was literally having a garage sale at my house actually. <laughs> and, um, one of our partner organizations, Protect Texas Fragile Kids, PTFK, um, their executive director, um, called, uh, Dr. Sego and I, our legislative director and said, we've got a, um, a, a 10 day case at Cook Children's. And so somehow they had, Trinity had, um, found PTFK and these are the PTFK Protect Texas Federal Kids is an organization of uh, parents who help um, advocate for medically complex needs, uh, children with medical complex uh, needs. I'm not saying that right, but um, you know, they're just, I mean, they're heroes. They know how to do, they know how to manage the healthcare system. They know how to uh, find specialists. I mean, yeah. they're just mama bears. They're just, superhero moms, basically. Yeah. The yeah. story, the crux of Tinsley's story is the power of moms. It's incredible <laughs> because that's basically all we had. We had Trinity, a mom, Protect Texas Fragile Kids, group of moms, Emily, mom. 
<laughs> against the medical industry. Yeah. So we also have yeah. an amazing recording of uh, one of the advocates of PTFK uh, at our Texas Right to Life Academy. So if you go to our yeah. YouTube, you can watch her yeah. talk about other cases too. But there's more. Anyway, yeah. So this is the ninth day so this of is, the 10 day. So countdown. we find out. Yeah, that's right. We find out on Saturday that, you know, talking to, to Hannah, it's like nine days. Okay. The 10th day is Sunday. And the 10th day is after which they can remove life support. And, and they plan to do it that day too. Yeah. They plan to Sunday. do it on Sunday. Yeah. So here we are on Saturday morning, and so we get Hannah, um, Tinsley's mom, and I get on a, a conference call very quickly. Um, it's about mid morning, and then I contact um, Joe Nixon, who was one of our outside attorneys at the time, and he and I had worked very closely. We had developed templates just for these uh, when we had to intervene at a last minute's yeah. notice. Now, did we ever, you know ever envision it would be? on a Saturday and the 10th day of Sunday, hours. like, no, but we did have these tools, tools ready. And so what had happened though, Trinity, you know, it was football Saturday and he's always like, Oh, football Saturday. I've heard this always happens on, on football Saturdays. But anyways, I had Trinity send us a picture. And when she sent, she texted me a picture of Tinsley, this little baby. So cute. And you know, she's awake. I mean, one of the deals is you don't have to be unconscious for this law to apply to you. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. everyone listening, um, obviously and smiling. Yeah. yeah. And one of, yeah. you know, also there's no brain death diagnosis. Okay. That that's not a requirement for the statute to, to be invoked, which some people kind of mistakenly assume it is, but here she just was. And I just sent this photo to Joe and said, we have to help her. And, um, it had the desired effect. <laughs> and so we start working. So first we try to um, intervene with the hospital counsel and say, hey, um, unfortunately, because I'd already had a case at Cook Children's um, with another little baby in 10 days, I had that hospital counsel's contact information. Yeah. And I remember you put in our staff group chat, oh my gosh, there's two cases at Cook's, these two babies. Oh my gosh, what is going on? Everybody pray. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, so, good Lord, two of them? That was the Hail Mary <laughs> at this point where it's a Saturday. It is the ninth day of the 10-day countdown. And so you reached out to Joe because we needed to file a lawsuit to get this 10-day process stopped. We needed to hopefully, did you try reasoning with the hospital first? Well, and we did. And, you know, we thought that sometime, yeah. And that didn't work. They were just been on. They wouldn't even tell us what time that they intended to remove life support. So anyways. Um, I'm probably saying a little too much detail there, but so, um, <laughs> anyways, we were forced on Sunday to find a, um, find a judge. Okay. Parts of like legal rules. Okay. You can't just go find any judge. It has to be a judge that, um, is over that County judge that has jurisdiction to, um, deal with the dispute between parties that are physically within there. So Tinsley was in T Tarrant County, which is Fort with Fort Worth area. Um, Joe and I were here in Houston and, um, so by the time we spent Saturday trying to negotiate with the hospital Sunday, it's like, what are we going to do? We had elected officials calling the hospital. No one was playing game, playing ball with us. Okay. Yeah. We had families calling the hospital. We were, we tried to create a bit of a media oh, storm. Yeah. There were so many people. So I put out the word, I put out this video that Trinity sent us of Tinsley move in and said, Cook Children's is trying to remove life support from this child please call this number and ask them not to. And 
the first few calls, the receptionist would be like, oh, okay, yeah. And then later she would be like, are you calling about Tinsley Lewis? Yeah, okay, thank you. I have your name down. And so there were just so many hundreds and hundreds of Twitter people calling. Twitter was going crazy. Yes. Stop, don't kill this baby. Yes. But anyways, on Sunday, we need to find a judge. Yeah. So Sunday morning, you know, we believe in Jesus and... Um, Joe and I took turns going to church, so each one of us would be available. And, our, you know, our phones are blowing up because everybody wants to do something. And we're just trying to marshal the forces and see. Uh, but we still needed a judge. and um, To get a TRO, right? Correct. Yeah. Temporary and restraining order. That's a lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> we were, thank you. We were trying to um, decide, are we going to drive up? But because we didn't know the end time when they were going to, we couldn't gauge whether we would have time to drive up to Houston, I mean, to Fort Worth and the business. And so I, my church was about, I guess my church starts like at 1055 or whatever. And so we were sitting there and I was just sitting in the back of the church. I usually play the organ, but I did not that Sunday because it was just so heavy. And I was literally texting Hannah saying, there's nothing that we can do. It's, we're never going to find a judge on a Sunday, 200, 300 miles away. So, um, then Joe calls and he says, I just learned that judge Kim is in Houston. I was like, I'm sorry, what? What all that means is that we got word that there was a Tarrant County judge who had jurisdiction over these kind of lawsuits meeting with his parents, visiting his parents in Houston. He just weekend. happened to be in Houston. That is the Lord. That is the Lord. Yeah. 110%. And his name was Judge is Judge Alex Kim. And um, I was like, hey, I can't even believe I didn't even think about that to begin with, okay? I mean, so, um, but he was. So we got in touch with him, got in touch with opposing counsel, said, we've got a TRO ready, where are you at? Joe, I went back home, went back home, finished typing everything up that we needed, got my intern who was working for us at the time, was like, Ethan, you gotta gotta get get home, sorry. Get out of mass, you gotta go home. (laughs) And so, um, um, we're, we're just hammering, finishing touches of the temporary restraining order. Right. And and Joe goes to meet him at um, a, a restaurant with the opposing counsel at the hospital on the phone. And TRO is granted. And that stopped the clock. And ironically, it's we amazing. were just waiting. We were just actually asking until Wednesday for the next Wednesday. that the, Asking the hospital to agree to Wednesday. Um, but they didn't want to do that because they knew they would give us Monday and Tuesday to, find, uh, to file a TRO. So why would they agree to that? Um, but we got one, and here we are 900, 900 days later. Many other things have transpired in all of this, but... Just a few things. That's, On April yeah. 7th, Tinsley was discharged home um, three God years bless. later. So Woo-hoo! That's incredible. She's so home. She's she home with her mama right now. She was given 10 days to live in November 2019, was hours away from dying because of the 10-day rule. And just the fact that God gave us everything that we needed to fight that battle... And something I was reflecting on last week is whenever we got into that battle, I remember getting the call from you on Saturday morning. I was at brunch with Emily Horn and um, another friend of Texas, right? Yes. Yes. And uh, just saying that, you know, we have this case. None of us knew how that was going to shake out. And even after we won that day and prevented her from dying that day, there was still the ongoing lawsuit of the law trying to take take her off of the life-sustaining treatment and knowing, too, that she had very complex medical needs, that she could have passed away um, at any time. And we did not know how this was going to shake out. But God envisioned the victory from the beginning, from the moment that he knit Tinsley together oh. in uh, her, her mother's, mother's womb. womb. She, he knew 
that she would be involved in our lives and we would be involved in hers and that we would have this covenant relationship going forward and that he would bring about victory at this time in this way. And it's just so powerful. And it's been such a blessing to me. And I'm sure you guys too, to be <gasps> Kim's involved. Kim's eyes are getting red, uh, To be involved in her <laughs> life. Like she's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's I, beautiful. You know, if you think about it, when, in the second court hearing that we had in December of 2019. So the, the legal definition is of, ter- of terminal is with the provision of life-sustaining treatment, the patient will die within six months. So it's even if we give a patient everything that they that we possibly can give them, they're still going to die. Right. Remember, because that, that that's showing that there's, a, you know, you can have a natural death while being provided life-sustaining treatment. That's right, because we can't cure right. everyone's ailments and we can't prevent death. Right. We are human. Yeah. So <laughs> in their, in their um, arguments about, hey, we need to do the 10 days on this kid, um, they said, well, it doesn't really matter because, you know, she's not going to live more than six months anyways. Even with all this treatment, she's terminal. That's clearly not that, that that's clearly not true. I mean, she's on, di- you know, different treatments now that, you know, weaned off of certain treatments that she was at, at the time. and It's gotten better to where she no longer needs the hospital level care and it's just charged home. Um, but it goes back to say, you know, people will say, well, you know, I'm you know, I'm on the hospital side on this one or that, you know, she shouldn't be able, you know, I, I don't think that's right. Or some people will say, oh, you're just prolonging her suffering um, and they assume that she's suffering and don't well, even meet her or evaluate her or ask her mom or watch the videos of her smiling and kicking around. They just assume, oh, well, you know, if the doctor wants to remove a ventilator, well, then this person must be near death and suffering. And it's like, actually, this is all false. Yeah. And we we know because of the people who were there and evaluating her and the second opinions that we got and the videos that the mother sent. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you can't make those assumptions. And it also misses the point of Okay, you're not making a value judgment on a person. It's the decision of who gets to make that value judgment. And you're right. sitting here saying, oh, I, you know, I think that's so wrong. She, she should, you know, pull the plug. Okay, well, you can make that choice for your daughter. Yeah. Would you want someone else coming and telling you that and making you do that for your daughter? That's terrible. Right. That's, that's what you're trying to, that's what you're trying yeah. to put on to this family. That is the situation at hand. I see all the time in uh, the Facebook comments and all this stuff, whenever we post about Tinsley, there's always one person who would say, I would never do that for my kid. Okay. Well, guess what? It's not your kid. Nobody <laughs> asked you. Yes. Okay. So yeah. the heart of the 10-day rule is imagine a situation where you want your child to live and you think that's feasible and someone else is saying, no, we know better and we're going to take that decision away from you. Yeah. That is the heart of this. So basically, it's not just, well, I wouldn't want my kid to be on machines or whatever it is that you think. Whatever your situation is where you think you would want your child to live, would it be okay with you if somebody said, no, that's not going to happen? Yeah, exactly. And and the whole talking about, oh, we'll just trust doctors. Well, sure, most doctors are going to be very good ethical people and they, they go into this field because of their heart of service and their compassion for curing illnesses or treating illnesses. But there's always going to be someone who's gone corrupt and we have to protect against that. Yeah. And then what about the hero healthcare, provi- excuse me, healthcare providers who came in and gave second opinions and they were like, actually, Tinsley's case is totally manageable. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can do a tracheotomy and she'll totally survive it. And guess what? They did. And she's fine. Yes. And it's like, oh, yeah, let's let's be the due process of asking for second opinions is a good thing. And no one should be denied that. And Tata tries to 
prevent it, tries to Continue. sweep it under the rug. Well, it's not even so much saying that, um, you know, that the healthcare providers are corrupt. It's just, we're all human. We all come with our own yeah, bias. We're about all going to be what, corrupt in some way. Yeah, about like yeah. what life looks like, what is meaningful life. And so the question is, who gets to make that decision? I mean, I want your advice as my doctor, just like I want your advice is my lawyer. That doesn't, you know, you give me advice all the time about I need to have secure passwords. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it ultimately. Doesn't mean you're going to listen to it. Do you, but do you follow that advice? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you don't get to make me. And so how much Actually, more. Actually, I do. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, okay. So how much more so when we're dealing with something so definitive as life mm. or death? Uh and so that, that's kind of what brings it back to the question of, of the comments. Well, just today, I mean, I will tell you, today we've had another 10-day case where they are, the family has chosen to remove life-sustaining treatment from a patient yeah, today. It happens. You know, we had this, this family actually contacted us in January. They were on day eight of the countdown. We got them, got the, con it, it stopped, and here we are in April, um, and the family has decided the, he's not getting better. They just, they feel more at peace with that decision, and so they've now made the decision to remove life support on, on their terms. And so, again, it's not once bad or good. It is that decision, We what we did was we brought right. that decision-making ability back to where it rightfully belongs, the family. How? Yeah. And they had time to assess instead of just 10 days of a rushed decision. And especially think about it if when you're, think of it from Trinity's eyes, okay? You're young, you've been living at the hospital because you have a very complex child. And then all of these people who are four times your age are coming in and telling you what you have to do for your child. And it's like, she's like enough to say, uh, no, I'm not really, not sure this is this is how the needs needs to go down but it's very you, you get in these situations and it's and the balance of power is off and um families feel uh that they've lost control um and don't really know what the next steps are and so that's what we can kind of come in and try to try to help however we shouldn't be needed the law should not exist yeah. well and to that note, when I have these conversations with friends, they always go, oh, this is that Obamacare death panels thing, right? Mm. Texas like, did it first. Hold up. Oh, that's really sad. No, it's not. This is Texas did this. Yeah. Texas can fix this. Right. Uh, yeah, we our state did this. This is mm -hmm. not a Obamacare federal thing. This is a Texas law that allows mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. we need to fix it. Tell your representative to go yeah. fix it. Whenever I'm talking with students about the pro-life spectrum of issues and we usually cover abortion and those related topics first. And then we get to euthanasia and physician assisted suicide. And then this 10 day law, which allows hospitals or physicians to just unilaterally decide to stop treating you with 10 days notice, even if the care is literally working. They're so shocked that this is allowed. People mm -hmm. are so shocked that this is allowed in Texas. They're like, but I thought Texas was conservative. I thought it was pro-life. I'm like, well, it, it is in many, many wonderful ways. But I think, and they always ask, me, well, but why? Why did Texas do this? And I think it's because we have one of the largest medical centers in the world, which is a really good thing. We have highly advanced medical care here, but it also means that we have an extremely progressive medical lobby and they have a lot of money and a lot of power in the capital. And if they want to push through a bad agenda, then they're pretty good at it. And so that's why we have our legislative team to fight against this stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Really I think important. the heart of it really is like, like Trinity trusted her gut 
back then and even throughout this entire fight like anybody else this has been almost a three-year battle three years ago and every single day just choosing to fight for her daughter that parents can stand up parents can fight and um, no matter who it is in the hospital who your loved one making sure that you are keeping their best interest at heart and most of the time the medical professionals you know you do get to take their advice and you get to work together but trust your gut you know if something feels off don't hesitate to call us if you think that they're starting to talk about withdrawing life-sustaining treatment and that just doesn't kind of add up to what you're seeing reach out ask for help sooner is better because it is a miracle it is a just complete miracle yeah. that baby tinsley was saved ninth day well, actually, she was saved on the 10th day of the 10-day countdown, hours before. Um, and now, three years later, she's home. And it, it goes to show both both of the cases that we've talked about today, what can happen when you do work together, when you the yeah. families and the hospitals, the healthcare providers work together in a collaborative situation. There are no easy answers. There's been nothing about any of this that has been easy, believe me. And, <laughs> you know, and it, but it was about five months ago when finally the hospital and us they were like hey let's work together to try to get her out oh helps that there's a lawsuit you know, maybe so, that was a bit of well, a, I mean, a so, carrot on the stick in front of them well <laughs> eh, it, yeah that's true but you know but Story still it took about time. five months of yeah. here we go he, he, out of the three years it was about five months of actively working being able to work together to move the patient just like with this other case, it's been like three months of us trying to actively work together to resolve this dispute between the healthcare providers and, um, and, and the family. But when you have a, a law that takes that off the table, turns the ethics committees, the hospitals into instead of mediating disputes, they are now the arbiters of disputes and the final decision-making body, then there's no reason, there's no incentive for um, the hospital to work with the family. And you're already dealing with the very imbalance of power because normal folks have no idea how to work this uh, maze of medical, of insurance, health, uh, healthcare providers, specialists. They, they, have no, they have no idea. It has to be a collaborative process or the patient's going to lose every single time. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're running tight on time here. Now, Tensley's home. How we doing? She, she doing good? Yeah, by uh, by all by all reports, things are good. So yeah, the hospital a... trained the mom Trinity how to care for her at home. One of the which nurse... is another testament to like collaboration. You know, right. she's been taking classes, getting yeah. ready to take care of her baby at home. So it's and awesome. one of the nurses mentioned that um, she gives uh, kisses to her grandfather. So she really he loves her a lot and works with her a lot. So that's so good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Way to go, Tinsley. Woohoo! She lived. Right. The girl who they lived. said it couldn't be done. Yep. And then she did it. Awesome. Well, I think, yeah, we're kind of running out of time, but oh my gosh, that was heavy. Um but good. I got the feels, guys. Yeah. Saved a little girl. She got to go outside. She hadn't been outside. Like, she yeah. can go smell a flower and pet a dog or something, you know, like normal <laughs> kids get to do now. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Kim, wrap it up. I got nothing. I got the, okay. I get the feels. Heavy episode today. It was good, but this is just uh, the highs and lows of the battle for life. And, um, you know, we're here for it all. So, again, if your loved one is ever in this situation, make sure you go to TexasRightToLife.com and click on the patient advocacy tab. 
Uh, until then, help us actually get this episode out against yeah. the big tech censor. So make sure you like, share, subscribe, and leave us a five-star re- review on Apple Podcasts.